the AFL Show, part of the Mojo Sports Network. Hello everyone, welcome to the Mojo Sports AFL Show. I'm your host Callum Dunk and thank you so much for tuning in for another episode. Unfortunately, Nathan has been subbed out of the team tonight and Ash, uh, it's great to have you back in and also it's nice to be back myself after a couple of weeks uh, overseas. Ash, how are you mate? Good to see you again. Yeah, pretty good and uh, pumped and ready to be talking about another big week of football as we near uh, the September games and finals. Absolutely, mate. And uh, very interesting round of footy. Uh, sort of felt from the weekend it was either a really close game or it was a, a little bit of a blowout. So, you know, we look at the results on Friday night. You know, the Western Bulldogs won by 71 points. Uh, Richmond come from behind to win by a singular point over the Hawks, who are a very brave Hawthorne side. Uh, once again, the West Coast Eagles get absolutely spanked thanks to Charlie Kerno. Uh, Brisbane end up getting the chocolates over Geelong up at the Gabba. The Swans make the big trip over to WA to take on Fremantle and won by 29 points. The game of the round, some people are calling it game of the year at the moment. Port Adelaide, unfortunately, went down by two points to Collingwood. Just a cracking game of footy, and we're going to talk about that one in a little bit more detail. Leading into the Sunday games, we had GWS running over the top of the Gold Coast Suns by 40 points. Another cracking game at the MCG on Sunday afternoon, which saw the Demons get up by four points over the Crows. And to finish, it was a slippery Marvel Stadium as St Kilda ran out eight-point winners over a very brave and competitive North Melbourne side. Ash, what was your major talking point from the weekend, and what games were you particularly had your particularly had your eyes glued to the TV? Yeah, well, I think so if, I don't think we can talk about this round footy. As you mentioned, Callum, game of the round, potentially game of the year, Port and uh, Collingwood. And uh, wow, how do they keep doing it, Collingwood? Um, I know this might open up a few wounds back for you, Callum, as a, as a Port supporter, but you know, the Magpies just clutch, pulling off an, another win, coming from behind at three-quarter time. And it's the fifth time this season that they've done it. Um, so yeah, it's absolutely crazy. And 12th time from their last 16 games, it's some crazy feat. Um, and we've seen the script so many times, especially with Jamie Elliott did against my blue boys, unfortunately. So it's all too familiar, but you know, a clutch like goal to seal the win. Uh, and it was incredible packed stadium, uh, finals like atmosphere, multiple lead changes all night, some crazy goals, and, you know, a, a great finish. So what did you think about that, Callum, as a, as a Port supporter? Uh, as a Port supporter, I was really proud of the boys and their efforts that they brought on Saturday night. And, uh, you know, just based on what Collingwood has been able to achieve so far this year, you know, I was always thinking that Port was going to be the underdog in that contest. Uh, but they took it right to Collingwood, Um you know, probably just a lack of polish, um, you know, inside forward 50, you know, not taking some opportunities probably cost them in that game, if I'm being perfectly honest. But effort, you can't fault. Um, probably the most interesting thing would be the fact that Port decided to drop the Willem Drew, Nick Dacos type tag that they had going on in the first half whether that would have changed anything in the second half I don't know because 
Dacos is just so versatile, being able to play midfield, half back, half forward, hitting the scoreboard. Um, but but Collingwood, they've got so many midfield options. You know, you see guys like Taylor Adams who haven't really been playing a massive amount of centre square footy in his 200s, just go in, able to kick goals inside 50. Um, you know, if, if the conditions were, were dry, probably say that – I would probably say it's Port would have won that game, if I'm being perfectly honest, but – uh, I suppose hindsight's a, a wonderful thing. You know, could they have done this? Could they have done that? But, you know, credit to Collingwood. Uh, just can't believe that they keep doing it. Um, people say when's the, ruck, the luck going to run out? But, you know, in the game of AFL football, you know, we see momentum being a powerful thing and you make a bit of your own luck and you can just see that the way, you know, wonder they want to play for Craig McRae, um, even as a, I think everyone likes him in the AFL, regardless of whether you love Collingwood, you hate Collingwood. There's just something that people admire about him. So, uh, packed house at Adelaide Oval, 47,000, nearly 48,000 there. So, imagine if it wasn't raining, probably would have been over 50,000. Um, you know, might have scared a few fans away late, but gives me confidence leading to September that Port Adelaide can match it with the best. However, I still think for Port Adelaide, they need to work really hard over the next, uh, you know, five or so weeks to make sure that they sew up that top two spot and don't drop any games. Otherwise, a road trip to, to Brisbane would be the most likely scenario for them. So they need to be able to, you know, bank those wins, starting with the showdown this week, then playing Geelong away, the Giants at home, um, and then I believe the Tigers in the last game of the year as well, which will be a contest, good contest considering they'll be pushing for finals most likely. Um, but, yeah, that's that's my Port Adelaide <laughs> rant out the way. But uh, a game that I really want to talk about was Melbourne and the Crows. Um, the Crows have certainly improved this year, even though their ladder position is around the same sort of mark that it was last year. You know, 13th is not... People say it is a reflection of where they are as a group, but at the same time, I don't think it is, uh, considering that this Adelaide side a couple of years ago were pretty well walkover territory in the similar vein to, you know, not West Coast, but, you know, North Melbourne and Hawthorne would be a similar sort of, you know, comparison team in, you know, years gone by. Um, but yeah, Isaac Rankin just lighting up the G still wish Port tried a little bit harder to get Isaac Rankin, uh, with the amazing, you know, things that he can do. And he single-handedly kept the Crows in that game, in my opinion. And unfortunately for the Crows, Nick Murray's done an ACL and he's been a, a big improver for them. Um, a lot of emphasis on Jordan Butts for the rest of the year, but, um, it's probably nail in the coffin for the Crows. Uh, I still think they'll scare a few teams between now and the end of the year, but, um, you know, Melbourne's just continuing to to get it done. Max Gorn plays well two weeks in a row without Brody Grundy. No played in Oliver Steele, so Melbourne are still going to be able to, uh, you know, put the pieces together towards the end of the year and really charge toward the flag. And uh, I just think Melbourne's the sleeper at the moment in, in the finals race. I know that Collingwood's up there at the moment, followed by Port and, and Brisbane. But 
Uh, I just think Melbourne's slowly getting everything together. It wasn't the most clinical performance from the Demons on Saturday, but um, the key is just winning and getting those four points every week. So anything that you particularly liked on the weekend other than Charlie? Yeah, I I want to touch on the Hawks, who I think um, have really turned their season around in the second half of the year. Um, it was a great game uh, over the weekend against Richmond, and you almost feel like it was, you know, if, if there was a bit more <laughs> experience on those um, on those Hawthorne players' legs, just the ability to run out the game that could have easily been Richmond. Unfortunately, it was probably the experience of the Tigers that really got them the win. Um, the Hawks um, did so right for so long, um, but but in the end, it was uh, Richmond. Fourteen players with over a hundred games, while the Hawks only had seven. Um, Richmond stay in finals contention, um, but I think Hawthorne is a real story here. Just the way they move, they move the ball um, from back half, inside 50, um, those overlap handballs were electrifying, short kicking, playing on from marks, using the corridor. Um, they really wanted that ball quickly going inside 50, and, and they moved that ball fast to give their forwards a great look and really challenged the Tigers defenders. So that really impressed me. Um, from Hawthorne, something which probably took me by surprise as a Cairns supporter. I was probably hoping that I could get away with the win, but I think uh, they definitely didn't lose any supporters there. Uh, great performance from the young Hawks. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose we were all really critical um, on the podcast, me, you, Nathan, and Jake when he was with us. Uh, we were really critical of Hawthorne and their, the choices that they decided to make in the off-season. And, um, I think it's kind of worked for them. You know, they didn't win the game on the weekend, but you can just see that accelerated development that they're going to have. Um, And I think because they knew Tasmania was coming in as well, um, I think they're ahead of the curve. Um, And I think West Coast should almost try and do a similar thing, have two proper years of, of hard pain before Tasmania come in and then try and hit the ground running a little bit more um, because it will probably be compromised drafts again as we saw what what happened with the introduction of the Gold Coast and GWS, you know, 10 or so years ago. Um, but, yeah, you have to admire what Sam Mitchell has done with that list. They're young, as you said, seven players, 100 games. And, look, if they wanted to, they could probably even have further clean out at – um, at Hawk, the, the Hawks with, you know, the likes of Frost. Bruce is still playing well, but he is getting on in age, you know. Um, it's just I'd be really interested to see how the Hawks go next year with another preseason under their belt. Um, but speaking of that game, I'll tell you what, Tim Taranto will be or could be I won't say will be. He could be. I honestly think he could be top 10 in the Bravo medal this year uh, because I don't feel like there's too many players from the Tigers who are stealing votes off him. But yet again, 25-ish disposals, three free goals on on Saturday. Um, He's been a great recruit despite what the likes of Kane Corns have said about Taranto and and Hopper. But... um, yeah, I think it's been a great, great pickup for him and really added some, you know, extra grunt in that midfield as, you know, Prestia, Cochin, 
um, Martin, they all start to to get a little bit older. But yeah, it's uh, been been a good pickup so far. But it will be interesting to see how that plays out with the Tigers' new coach that would be coming in. Ash, I wanted to ask you. Um, it was a very thrilling contest as well to end the round with St Kilda and North Melbourne and. We've been critical of North Melbourne this year, but at the same time, we also have seen the light at the end of the tunnel when you get the likes of Wardlord, Sheasel, Phillips. Um, they played Cherry in the ruck on the weekend. Like You can just see the pieces starting to, to come together. LDU was absolutely on fire on Sunday, 33 disposals, um, 16 kicks, 17 handballs. You know, over a hundred in, in fantasy points. Will Will Phillips, twenty disposals, eleven tackles as well. So um, he's. We've been very critical of Will Phillips, considering he was a number three draft pick and taken ahead of Logan McDonald. Uh, considering that was the year that the Kangaroos traded out Ben Brown. Um, but yeah, even ta- even Taron Thomas, like three goals on the weekend as well. Uh, I know he's had a, a trouble, troublesome year, but since he's come back into the side, I thought he's been uh, quite phenomenal in his return. So also I wanted to ask you about the comments made by Ross Lyon regarding the slippery surface at Marvel Stadium. Now, I would be very critical if you had a stadium that has a roof and the ground underfoot was slippery or it'd been raining overnight or something like that. I just don't understand why the roof needed to be open at all that weekend. Sure. If you needed to, you know, water the grass during the week or I don't know how groundskeeping works. I'm a school teacher. I don't know how groundskeeping works, but um, yeah, I just thought it was very interesting comments made by Ross Lyon. And did those comments have any merits? I think it was a, a bit of deflection from Ross Lyon there. I think you can't really blame the grass to an extent to how poorly you played. And I think it's very similar to what happened when um, the Saints narrowly beat West Coast um, just under a month ago. He uh, said a very similar thing, not not about the grass, but about expected scoring and using, you know, weird stats like that when, you know, the numbers don't lie and they only beat West Coast by a goal or two or however much it was. So I think Ross Lyon, pull your head in, mate, because Saints are about to choke final for the second year in a row. But you know, I can't really talk being a Carlton supporter, but uh, I would expect better from a coach. Take some ownership, take a bit of initiative and pull your mighty Saints out of this rut, which they are at the moment because they're playing some pretty terrible footing. Yeah, I was going to lead into the question about do they – miss the eight and I'm really on the fence because they played the Hawks this week. I reckon the Hawks are a genuine chance to knock them off based on what we've seen. Then the following weekend, you've got the Saints taking on Carlton, which could potentially be a do or die clash for Carlton at the moment. Round 22 sees St. Kilda take on Richmond at Marvel. Round 23 
is a is a Marvel Stadium. The Cats travel up to Marvel Stadium, big travel. Uh, so Geelong, you know, they're going to be on the fringes of of the eight and needing to to shore up some wins to to lock that in. And then in the last round of the year, they travel up to Brisbane um, and play at the Gabba, and Brisbane do not lose at the Gabba. So of those five games that are left, how many do they actually win? I might say two. If you said two, that would put St Kilda to 48 points. Do they make it with 48 points? No, Saints will drop out. And I think GWS are probably on the fringe at the moment, despite being in pretty good form. Carlton come in for sure, 100%, lock it in already. Well, the lid's off. The lid's off. The lid was off a month ago. And then I reckon, so that's seven spots, I reckon, locked into the eight. And I reckon the eighth one will come down to one of St. Kilda, GWS, Richmond, Essendon, um, one of and them. And you're confident the dogs make it? I think dogs will make it. I think uh, Geelong will make it. And then the top four stays as it is. As it is. Very good. Very good. Now, I wanted to get your thoughts as well um, on a particular incident that happened on Saturday night, just touching on the poor and um, Collingwood game again. What were your thoughts and we haven't discussed this yet at all, and we haven't even discussed it in the group chat as well, in the WhatsApp group. What were your thoughts on the Willie Rioli hit on Nathan Murphy? Now, unfortunately, there was some racist posts that were made towards uh, Willie Rioli, which is very disappointing considering some of the issues that we talked about early in the year. I'm going to take my Port Adelaide bias out of it and I'm going to let you go first about what your thoughts on this are. What were your thoughts on the actual strike to Nathan Murphy? Um, it's very funny because you see people with a lot of varying opinions, not, not just Port supporters, but in the AFL itself. I'm under the impression that Port should have taken that two weeks and run. I, If I was in charge of the AFL, I'd be giving – Incidents like that, a just as much of a suspension, if not more, than some of the bumps and sling tackles and dump tackles which we've seen this year. I think that a non-football incident like that with Willie Rioli is something which you need to stamp out and get rid of the game way quicker than all the other football-related acts. What that comes to in terms of the actual week, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I think two weeks is probably fair. Um, lucky to probably not get three. Very lucky to get it downgraded to one. But I think that, you know, I would, I would rather punish those non-football acts a lot more firmly than some of the bumps and tackles which we've seen so far this year. Now I want your Port Adelaide glasses on and tell me your opinion. I'm of the opinion that you do need to stamp those incidents, types of incidents out the game. And it's the, the second time that Rioli has been suspended this year. So he needs to look at the way that he does things. And I thought he actually played a cracking game on Saturday night. Um, It's probably the best game that he's played for a fair while, probably since round one, to be perfectly honest. Um, I agree that he should have got suspended. 
I think one week is fair. The problem that I have is the consistency of the review officer, Michael Christensen, where that gets two weeks and you were really critical of the Cozzy Pickett one very early this year with the potential to cause injury. I don't understand how both of those incidents are both like both two weeks originally. I think one was the right result. It was dumb. It was intentional. It was dumb. It was not medium impact. If I'm being perfectly honest, I think Nathan Murphy put a little bit of mayonnaise on it. Yeah. Um, I still acknowledge the incident was wrong. So the intentional, um, high contact, low impact, one one week or you know. Um, I just think it was a bit obviously care a bit careless as well. Um but yeah, I just just links to Michael Christensen again. It's just like, what are you doing, mate? Um you know, one person to see everything. I think that needs to change next year. And I think it's something that I, I strongly hope that Andrew Dillon has a look at going forward because I just think the fans are confused. Um, and we're not just saying this is about the Rioli incident overall. I think it's just a, the pattern, the way that things vary from week to week. It's just quite frustrating at the moment. And there's been a few other incidents that I've just been, even while I was away in Vietnam, I was like, really? Two weeks for that? Really? A week for that? So um, even like people, you know, talking about the the Bailey Smith uh, tackle um, on Cordwell, I think it was, the fact that that's even talked about as getting a potential suspension at all, the fact that it's even debated in the media it's just frankly ridiculous, and yeah, I, I'm my bullet of the week goes to Michael Christensen at the moment. So, Ash, before we move on, is there any other major talking points that you'd like to discuss from the weekend? No, I think that's all. I think we've covered the games uh, pretty well. Yeah, I think we have covered them quite convincingly as well let's move into our afl fantasy segment now um my team this week ended up getting 2305 i went up in the rankings um but i feel like i would have liked you know a few scores to have just bumped up a little bit the fact that tom mitchell got subbed out in wet conditions at adelaide oval was really upsetting for my team. Uh, unfortunately, most people were going to have to trade out Will Ashcroft and we wish him the best with his knee. Um, he made 63 before he went off. But um, I went with Tim Taranto as my captain. It didn't go horribly, but it didn't go amazingly either. Um, so he finished up with 232 once his score doubled. But um, I tell you what, my forward line has been very... Impressive. Cogs was the only one to go under a ton this week, but uh, Cogs has been real solid this year, and I haven't even really looked at touching my forward line in weeks gone by. It's just more about trying to get someone off the ground or you know trying to upgrade that last rookie. So um, in terms of notable scores, Doherty 130, 
Stewart 116, Sinclair 112, Bontempelli, I wish I did the vice captaincy loophole there, uh, 128. None of my other mids, unfortunately, managed to break the ton. Uh, Rowan Marshall, 123, Rosie, 108. Cheezel, 116, Dunkley, 112, and Butters, uh, 105. At the moment with my rookies, I'm just trying to chase the break-even game, trying to make the cash as quickly as possible. Uh, FootyWire is a great uh, website to head over to if you're looking to chase the break-even game, Um, and you can select the budgets that you are working within. Uh, This week I have traded out... um, Will Ashcroft so far, uh, done some DPP to get uh, Doherty into my midfield, uh, and then I have brought the sick dog, uh, James Sicily, back into my team after his uh, few weeks off with suspension. I know he's played the last couple, but just try. this was the only way that I could get him uh, back into my team at the moment. Um, I will be looking to upgrade James Warple, even though every time I look to upgrade him, he gets a ton and I'm just like, I'll stick with him for another week. So eventually something's going to have to give, uh, but I might even do one upgrade, one downgrade this week and then get that extra cash to upgrade Warple to a proper premium. How did you go? Uh, pretty terribly. I mean, uh, I've been you were out of fantasy, I reckon, in round eight, mate. Yeah, I, I, I gave up with this game after about the buys. Just having a million forced outs every week and to the point where I was fielding donuts on the field every week and it's just terrible. I spent about two minutes on fantasy each week. Just doing my weekly trades and uh, things aren't looking good. Um, my team, Your whole my team's team, Carlton, isn't it? No, it was gone that way. I think we went about four or five weeks in a row where I was just bringing Carlton players. But, um, yeah, but the team actually looks good on paper, but I, I just have so many players not playing that it's just, yeah. What can you do? I have more important things to worry about, like uh, booking my tickets in September. Oh, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Uh, looking. We'll do a quick preview. Uh, obviously, the boys on the Thursday show will be previewing round 20, but oh, I'm actually really keen for, for Carlton and, and Collingwood on Friday night at the G. Should be a big crowd. Um, I suppose the other game that will be really interesting in terms of those eight-point games that we've talked about on the podcast previously will be Essendon and the Swans. You would say the loser is out of the race. Obviously, showdown week uh, this weekend, so hopefully Port can bounce back, but I'm expecting it to be a very tight contest. Uh, The game that we talked about earlier, Hawthorne and St. Kilda at Marvel, could be very interesting. Uh, Danger signs for Ross Lyons' men. Uh, And not that I would say it's the Harley Reid Cup again, but could be a preview to... Uh, the Harley Reed Cup, depending on how North Melbourne go with percentage. Uh, but it's West Coast and North Melbourne at Optus Stadium Sunday, 4.10 at late time. So uh, the the 4.40 game for those in Melbourne. But, yeah, you'd expect North to win that one. But, I don't know, I just got this feeling that West Coast could pull a, pull a rabbit out of the hat and get themselves up for it. But 
just with North, uh, sorry, West Coast percentage at the moment with 48.9. Uh, I don't think uh, that's going to be changing anytime soon. But North Melbourne are going to break a, break a 16-week losing drought. And I assume West Coast, uh, I think West Coast won in round two as well. So uh, both these teams looking to break their hoodoo. What are you looking forward to this weekend? What's the two games that you're most keen to watch? Oh, well, obviously Carlton Collingwood. Uh, outside I, of that, outside of that, settle. Well, you would probably say the showdown's the biggest rivalry in the AFL. I reckon Carlton Collingwood is, but you won't let me talk about that. Expecting 85,000 there. So uh, it will be a sweet, sweet crowd. The other game I'm liking... <laughs> To be honest, all the games are, are really exciting. Like I don't think you can probably find a game that isn't exciting. Maybe outside of the Q Clash, outside of Geelong and Frio, everything else looks really good. Dogs and Giants. Yeah, I was going to mention that one actually. Yeah, Essendon and Sydney. Obviously, the showdown said Hawthorne and St Kilda will be a good game. Richmond and Melbourne will be a good game. So, yeah, it's it's really exciting this time of year when everything starts tightening up and you sort of don't only focus on your teams, but you like to sort of support the teams around you that need a win or lose, depending what's better for your finishing position, whether you're tanking for draft picks or trying to slide into the eight. So, uh, yeah, excited for another round of footy. Can't wait. And it all starts Friday night for the biggest game of our season so far, I would say. You're really bullish on this game. I really hope it delivers for you. Uh, before we finish up tonight, we'll do a little bit of trade talk. So Mason Redman uh, was offered a five-year deal with the Crows in the vicinity between six hundred dollars to $700,000 a year. He's chosen to turn his back on that and re-sign with the Bombers. Uh, I, think this is, I think this is good for the Bombers. Um, I think if they had have lost him, it I think they would have been able to replace it, but he's been a a good member of that back six for a, a few years now. Um, you know, that back six are, are still quite young at Essendon, but um, they are still gelling together very nicely at this point in time. What happens with Darcy Parrish now from an Essendon point of view? Who knows? I'm probably still of the belief that he stays. Asava Radigalia has been uh, very heavily courted by Port Adelaide once again. Uh, there was the, the move that did not go through last year as the Cats decided to hold him uh, to his contract, uh, played 13 games this year for the Cats. Previous interest from Port in Ben Mackay, uh, but it looks at the moment that Eston is probably the most likely suitor uh, as they need a key key position defender. Uh Mackay has met with the Bombers today, according to, I believe, Sam McClure. Um, trying to think. Uh, Tom Duday, very, very heavily courted by the Brisbane Lions, um, still hasn't re-signed um, here in Adelaide, but whether that's to do with his knee or the fact that he's going, still probably lean towards the fact that he's going if he hasn't signed by this point of the year. Um Jade Gresham has been very heavily linked to Carlton as well. So an offer has been on the table from the Saints for quite some time. Uh, but Carlton have been 
you know, getting into his ear for a little bit over 12 months now. So uh, those are the main ones at the moment. There's obviously speculation about Harry Himmelberg. Uh, I believe he's got four offers on the table. Sydney, obviously his club in GWS. Uh, Sydney, I believe, have offered up to the vicinity of 900000 for the free agent. The Tigers are very heavily into him as well. Tim Taranto is his best friend. Uh, Collingwood have been very interested in Harry Himmelberg as well. So no shortage of options for uh, Harry. Uh, Ash, have you heard anything different? Any Sam- new circulating rumours? Well, it sounds like Tom DeConing's going to stay, which is nice. I uh, can't believe that. He's been offered eight years by Sydney. Uh, and a probably pretty hefty. Every, no one, uh, I no still one think for his, for his career, being he's not a forward, he's a ruck. It's a bit like Jackson and, um, you know, Grundy going to their new clubs this year. They were recruited as forwards. They are ruckmen. Um, I know you can only... I know you want to play them and the idea of a ruck, ruck forward is so attractive at the moment, but particularly with the athletic ruckman in the type of Tim English and, and Rowan Marshall's becoming more attractive and the way that the game's going. Um, but yeah, I, I would be shocked if he, if he stays still. Here we go. Something's just come in. Harold Sun. Breaking, Tom DeConing has made it clear he's determined to play for Carlton in the coming seasons. Two-year deal for him, 600K. As we speak, news is breaking. Wow. Hot goss on Mojo Sports. Ash, very, very nicely done. Good timing. Very good timing. Any other trade rumours that you've heard rumbling around Melbourne? Nah, I think you covered it pretty well. I don't want to get Jade Gresham. Jack Silvani is, is an interesting one from Carlton, and I know we're talking about Carlton because that's all I sort of really care about at trade time. Apparently he hasn't had a contract offer at all from Carlton, which is crazy for me to hear considering very short and sort of key forward and ruck depth, kicked four against Port um, in his last game before he got injured. It's really, really weird to me. It feels like the situation is going to be similar to Liam Stocker where we potentially delist him and he ends up at another club. And it, un, unlike with Stocker where we had a, a plethora of half-black flankers with Silvani for a position that even with him, I wouldn't mind another sort of experienced depth key forward behind Harry and Charlie because we don't really have anyone. It seems like we get rid of Silvani and we're automatically chasing another key forward yet we get no draft capital from letting go of Silvani. So it makes no sense to me, but um, he'll probably be in another club. Zach Fisher, probably going to be, sounds like West Coast, North Melbourne and Hawthorne all into him. All into him. He, wants to go to West, he wants to go to WA. West Coast probably more keen on keeping their draft picks. So it'll be interesting what happens there. Paddy I Gale. can't imagine, I can't, sorry to cut you off. I can't imagine Zach Fisher being worth too much considering he's not playing for Carlton at the moment. I think he's, um, not, he's not playing because he's done his hammy, but. I think um, you've seen while he was injured, a number of guys like Lockie Fogarty, David Cunningham, Jack Martin sort of come into the side and really shine where um, Zach Fisher couldn't. So, yeah. Yeah, I know that West Coast was the the major rumour for for Zach Fisher, but 
Um, I know that in the last couple of weeks, there have been a few Victorian clubs who have been circling, uh, but we'll have to find out. And I suppose we're getting to the fun end of the year in regards to the trade sort of aspect as clubs start to finish up, have their exit meetings. Uh, a lot more will come to light. Ash, Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the Mojo Sports AFL podcast. Uh, always good to chat with you, mate. No worries, you too. Uh, mate, thank you so much for tuning in at home. Make sure that you go and follow the Mojo Sports AFL Instagram page for all your latest updates regarding our episode. Uh, and the boys will be here to talk about a uh, talk on Thursday night about the round 20 matches. So an exciting, exciting weekend of footy ahead. So take care, everyone. Cheers.